lots of the suffering in the world comes from religious motivations. What do you make of that? <laughs> Thank you. You have no idea if it was text with such anger. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's fine. It's fine if it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely right. So lots of the suffering in the world that we see, lots of the suffering we'd read about in newspapers, would come from a religious motivation, either Islamic extremism, but absolutely from uh, some people absolutely professing to be Christians, and history would be peppered with um, those, uh, I was going to say, wearing the badge of Christianity, quite literally holding a shield with the badge of Christianity, um, doing some dreadful stuff. And uh, so I'd want to say thank you for calling that out, um, I think people who are causing suffering to others in the name of religion um, shouldn't. And it's not for me to talk about other religions or other faiths, but um, as a Christian, I know that that's happened and uh, that's not right. Um, I would say um, just kind of uh, on, the, on the question, there's a, uh, a logical thing that I want to help us avoid, which is that if the, the followers of something do something bad, that means that the thing itself is, is rotten. And I don't think that's true. We would know we wouldn't want to say that because one person saying they're a Muslim did something horrendous, that that means that all of Islam is this thing that we need to wipe out from the UK. We, we would kind of not think that. And that's absolutely right, because if, uh, if an artist um, does some uh, destructive uh, graffiti, um, that doesn't mean art is evil. That means destructive graffiti is potentially evil, depending on what you're into. Um, do you see? So someone doing something in the name of something doesn't mean that the whole thing is rotten. And so a Christian doing something evil uh, doesn't necessarily mean that Christianity is rotten. Um, it might mean that that person has done something evil. Um, you go to source, it's the best place to go, and I think to assess Christianity, look at Jesus, um, the kindest man who ever lived, and you don't have to be a, a Christian to say that and see that. Um, Gandhi said, um, I don't like your Christians, but I love your Christ. Um, and sometimes I kind of agree, um, being a Christian. Um, but um, I would want to say, go to source um, and check out what Jesus is like. Yeah. Why does God let some of us suffer more than others? Um, and just to help you out, the person is suggesting, is it a test? Ooh, thank you for the option. Why, <laughs> why does God let some of us suffer more than others? Is it a test? Uh, why does God let some of us suffer more than others? Um, I'd want to start by saying I think, I think that that's true. I think that does happen. And I think lots of people have tried to answer that in lots of different ways throughout history, which I think are not not satisfactory so the kind of simplistic answer would be people who are bad people suffer more than than good people and I want to say that's not true at all is it um we know lots of innocent people who suffer and lots of the bad people in the world are sort of safely secluded from much suffering so I want to scrap that idea so if you're suffering more than you think your peers are or whatever that's not uh, necessarily God saying that you're worse that's not true at all Jesus is the the kindest man who ever lived suffered Potentially more than any person who's ever lived. And so those two things don't match. Um, why does God let some people suffer more? Um, my honest answer, and I say this with some thought behind it, not just to get out of it, is I don't know. And I think that's an important answer because I'm not, I'm not God. And there are some things that God reveals to us, like he has demonstrated his love by sending Jesus. He's told us certain things in the Bible. And that question of why does... Uh, Jonathan suffer more than I suffer, he hasn't said why that is. And so I, I genuinely, it's sort of not a cop-out, 
I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I would believe that God would know the answer to that question and that it can't be that he doesn't love us because he's demonstrated that. Um, so it's not a cop-out, kind of a quite a deliberate, um, I don't think we know. And lots of people who would say, oh, it's because of this and that hurricane happened in that country because they're really bad. Um, that kind of goes quiet when the Bible Belt gets hit by um, a natural disaster, doesn't it? Because they kind of then go, oh, right. And so I want to say I don't think it's as simplistic as that at all. Um, yeah. I can see some people brewing a question, but they're not sure whether to ask it. You can ask it. I guess it's a rider to what we've just been talking about. But um, um, personally, I find my suffering is very short-lived. Hmm. And I get to the end of it. Um, other people I see have what you might call a life sentence. Mm. Other people have what you might call a death sentence mm. as well. Um, is, is death the doorway to the solution of suffering? Because then that's eternity where there isn't any suffering. Mm. What do you think to that? Thank you. Um, so some people experience more suffering than others. Some people experience longer suffering than others. Absolutely right. Um, and... Do I think that death is the answer to suffering? Um, I think I'd say a few things on that. In the no God story, no. Um, Death is potentially the thing that robs us of everything that's precious to us in the no God story. Because if your meaning is found within the no God story, um, then the end of that story uh, ends all of your meaning. And therefore, death is something to be very fearful of, I think, in the no God story. So, um, Julian Barnes has a book on um, the issue of death and it's called Nothing to be Frightened of and you read it thinking he's saying it's nothing to be frightened of and he's actually saying it's nothing to be frightened of um, and I think that's quite profound and so I think in the no God story death is not the answer, uh, death is the problem um, I think in the Christian story on one level I want to say no, it's not like buckle in till death Um, I don't think that's true at all. Carol spoke brilliantly about God's with you in the midst and God um, comes and brings joy in the moment. And a lot of our songs that we sung this morning are celebrating that. Not, yay, it's fine, but gosh, it's hard. And I'm grateful that I know this amazing God in the midst. So I don't think it's kind of buckle in till heaven. Um, I think God can absolutely use our suffering. I think he can be with us in our suffering. Um, But ultimately, and perhaps pick this up with me over coffee if you disagree I might be wrong but I think ultimately for the Christian um, I'm not ashamed to say that my ultimate hope is in what comes after I die Um, my life is is uh, comparably totally free from most suffering at the moment but it isn't totally free of all suffering and Jesus says when he comes back and makes the world everything it was meant to be that's when I won't groan anymore And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, As I say, my suffering is very small compared to most. But I think in a real sense for the Christian, uh, death absolutely has been transformed by knowing Jesus because he can beat death, as we've seen. And now death is actually the entrance into um, the world that is groaning free with God forever. Every tear gets wiped. And I want to say I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I know God now, but I think that's going to be wonderful. Hi. Um, some people get closer to God without suffering 
and some people get close to God with suffering. Why is that? That's very true. So I was reading something this week about the Holocaust, um, which was uh, a deep thing to be reading this week and not light. It shed some interesting uh, truths, which were that there was these two religious phenomena, phenomenons, uh, phenomena uh, going on in uh, Auschwitz and other camps like that, where one phenomenon was that uh, the, the sort of the faithful, the religious, were kind of losing their faith on 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 mass. Really, that um, what was happening was totally throwing this very question into their real life, and they were struggling to square their loving God with what was happening, as I think anyone with a brain and a heart uh, would. Um, and that was one big phenomena. So they, through much suffering, grew, f- grew far from God in that sense. Um, but at the same time, um, there was this incredibly vibrant, sudden conversion of loads and loads of people in this death camp to Christianity. And new uh, prisoners would come in and um, people who've survived have spoken of they would come into the death camps and see this vibrant joy in this situation and just go, what on earth is happening here? Um, and so I don't think suffering uh, brings you closer to God just as an equation, um, but I don't think it drives you further either. And actually um, what it does is it throws everything you think into flux, and I think it causes you to ask real questions. Um, so I, I think some religions would say suffering is a test to grow your faith. I think God can use it in that way. I don't think that's the whole, the whole story. Rich, Hello. Uh, you spoke a bit about atheism. Um, why does atheism necessarily lead to no purpose or meaning? You kind of made that point. Yep. Why does it necessarily lead there? Yep. So flesh that out. I shall try. Um, great question. Thank you. Um, just to be clear, what I, I'm not saying is atheists have no meaning or purpose or individual atheists don't have things to live for. I absolutely did, when I was an atheist, have things to live for. I lived for um, my friends. I lived for uh, trying to better the world. And there are uh, right purposes and meanings to give to your life. What I, I want to say is, ultimately, there's no ultimate purpose and meaning if there is no God. And by that, I, I simply mean that if the story is nothing, bang, stuff, bang, nothing, in the stuff section, we can make meaning, we can live with meaning that we ourselves want to develop, and that's, I'm sure, a very good thing to do. Uh, so I'm not saying all atheists are kind of wandering around going, what should I do with my life, like a gap year student. Um, you can absolutely live meaningfully, but I want to say ultimately you can't. And because the end of that story is so abrupt and so bleak, uh, it might be true, I don't think it is, but because it's so bleak, I want to say, ultimately, everything we live for in the stuff section is intrinsically uh, vulnerable because it will be robbed from us by the end of the story. So it's not a comment against atheists. I've been one. I think I was quite a good one. Um, And I had purpose in my day-to-day life. But ultimately, um, there was nothing ultimate to live for there. Yeah. Any questions A person who is going through a suffering, uh, especially if, if he or she is, is a Christian, and obviously yeah. then would, because of that, would question God and, yeah. and uh, ask why God would 
allow that such thing in my life? What would you say to that person? Yeah, thank you. So as a uh, husband, family member, Christian, uh, youth worker, blah, 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 I'm always speaking to Christians who are suffering, uh, as are most Christians in this room, um, because every Christian is suffering in some way. And uh, I thought Esther's comment was really helpful. If, if something hurts, it hurts. And so we're all, we're all suffering, uh, whatever our religious tick box. Um, I think I'd want to say a few things. I'd want to say, um, please don't hide your suffering from God or from your church family either. And the Bible gives us this rich, stunning uh, volume after volume of words that express uh, what kind of religious people call lament, this kind of cry against the suffering in the world. Why is this happening to me? And I think you find in lots of worldviews, we want to make our worldview look as strong as we can so that we look right. And so lots of worldviews are kind of like, don't doubt it, don't ask against it. And yet the Bible in and of itself is full of people who are heralded as heroes going, where are you, God? What are you doing? And it's this kind of strange thing that godliness or uh, growing as a Christian doesn't look like having less questions. Um, Because uh, David in the Old Testament, he's kind of one of the best people in the Bible. And he's written like a ton of stuff that is basically him questioning. So that's the main thing I'd want to say is, Please tell someone about it, and you're not a bad Christian or a bad human if, you, if you're feeling these questions. These are important questions. Yeah. Another question? Um, how do you find true hope and comfort knowing that loved ones have themselves suffered and died not knowing Jesus? Mm. And a follow-on question while you're thinking about that one. So two for the price of one. Uh, is that the time? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we find true hope and comfort knowing that loved ones have themselves suffered and died not knowing Jesus? Mm. In death, can they then be saved or is this hope too late for them? Yeah, great, great question. So kind of underlying that question is the very right uh, emotion, which is love for one's family and friends. Uh, I've had friends and family members who've, who've died as well, as we all will have done in that situation. So um, if you don't care about this question, you've got problems. Like, you need to care about this question <laughs> because you need to love your loved ones, uh, obviously. Um, and so I want to say, good, good question, good desire in your heart. Um, ultimately, where I'm at on it is um, I take comfort in who is on the throne of the universe, Now, if I was on the throne of the universe, all sorts of things would be up for grabs. It wouldn't be that well run. It'd be very disorganized. um, And anything could happen. What I want from the person who is running the universe is I want total, total power. And I want total commitment to love and justice and fairness. And I don't just want him to tell me that. I want him to show me that he's like that. And the God who's on the throne of the universe, who makes those sorts of decisions, uh, has demonstrated that he is stunningly kind and totally fair. And therefore, when I wrestle with that question, which is right to wrestle with it, I go, I'm glad it's him making that call. And in the meantime, my prayer is, would they come to know God? So that they don't just enjoy forever, but they enjoy knowing God now. He's wonderful. And so I pray, I long for them to come to know God now. 
But if someone's going to be making that call, I'm, I'm really glad it's Jesus Christ. He's really good.